children, thinking of children. I appreciate what the, the children's ministry team are doing, getting things ready, and, and we're just growing and learning. We want to be more effective as we minister to the children. You know, Jesus said, do not keep the kids from coming. Our desire is to create an atmosphere in this place in our church family where, where children are excited about church, where it's something to look forward to instead of having to be drugged here, you know, and, and bribed. Oh, if you go to church with me this morning, then I'll buy you a PS5 or whatever, you know. But one thing I noticed what, what it's interesting, and this hasn't been done on purpose as far as from our perspective, but I believe from heaven's perspective, the things that are happening around here, uh, like right now all the art is gone. If you notice, the art is gone because it's being displayed right now in, in, in our community, which is awesome. People are getting, people outside of our church home are getting to see those art, uh, feet, those featured art that we've had, and people are wanting to purchase them, and, and, and wonderful things are happening in that way. But if you notice, it seems kind of childlike, not childish, but childlike around here. Like if you look on the back over there and back there, it looks like, you know, something kids would do, coloring. And we've had Legos up here. And, and, and I appreciate the environment that this family is allowing the church to have for our children. You know, like when I noticed uh, when Ricky's kids came in this morning and they saw Bianca and they saw Nicole and they just... They didn't say, oh, this is church. I need to sit here and, and be dignified for a few moments. You know, they went up and, hey, Bianca, hey, Nicole. And our, our children are having fun. They're able to celebrate with, I appreciate Gail offering the children the banners and the flyer, or flyer streamers. This is, you know, we didn't think strategically, how can we make our children feel welcome? I know, let's do this and this and this and this. I believe it's the Lord's doing. But I just want to say I appreciate you allowing us the freedom to do that. We want our children to enjoy Jesus. We want them to know that Jesus is not some fuddy-duddy, some religious weird person that we have to come to church and act a weird way, but we can be normal and enjoy each other, enjoy our Father, and have a great time with His kingdom. Amen? Because along the way, we get older and we get too dignified, we get too serious, and church is all about seriousness. I remember when I went to church growing up, I thought it was a sin to smile in church because nobody did. I mean, it was weird. You know, looking back, it's like everybody was, they were dressed nicely, dressed sharply, but everybody was sober and serious, and it's like, dang, what's wrong with y'all people? And then when I came here to OSU and I went to church, a friend invited me to church. I went to church with him. It was a small church. It was called Maranatha Campus Ministries. That was a church, the ministry I ended up getting saved in. But I remember the first time I went to church there, I thought, something's wrong. Because everybody was smiling. And they were happy, and they were hugging, and they were joyful. And I'm thinking, is this a church service, or have I been tricked? Is this an Amway party or something? And it's like, wait a minute, this is pretty crazy. And people actually seem to enjoy being there. And it's like, I realized that heaven is about joy. You know, one of the manifestations of the kingdom of God is joy. So if you're not experiencing joy, then you're missing out on the kingdom expression that God wants for us. And, and I had no intention of saying all this, but just seeing the children this morning just reminded me, and I believe it's a prophetic picture of where God's wanting us to go as adults. Because to receive the kingdom, we have to become like little children. We make the gospel complicated, and God did not intend for it to be complicated. And being a Christian for as long as I have, I got saved in 1986. I've been part of making it complicated, 
you know, when you witness to people or you pray for people, you have to have this complex way of doing it. And if you don't say it right, and I used to fall in this, if I don't say it right or do it right, then it's not going to happen or whatever. But what I've been experiencing is the simple gospel allowing Jesus to touch people, and there's been dramatic results. And he's reminding me the the gospel is simple. If you can't teach a child or model to a child the gospel or a kingdom principle, then it's not God. Now, don't make a theology on that. I just thought of that and said that, so, you know, check it out and everything and see if that's accurate. I don't know if it is or not. But we make things complicated when he wants it to be simple so our kids can get it. They can get it. Okay, that had nothing to do with my message. Well, maybe it did. I'm not going to say it didn't. I didn't intend to say all those things. But anyway, Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read verse 13 through 16. The name of the sermon today is... And Shannon helped me come up with this, this title, and she didn't even know it. But it's saying yes to his assignment. Saying yes to his assignment. I appreciate what Shannon was sharing about Lisa Campbell and Rhonda Madison saying yes to the Lord. And those of you who know them know what I'm talking about. But they're not the only ones that God has assignments for. You know, and the only significant assignments aren't overseas. Okay? Just keep that in mind. There are significant assignments in your home, in your workplace, at school, in the marketplace. And he's inviting us to say yes to the assignment that he has for us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Therefore, let your light shine, or so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And my favorite version of that last verse is the New American Standard, which says, Therefore, let your light shine before men in such a way. So it's not just let your light shine before men, but it's let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and they glorify the Father. So he calls us to be, he says we are salt and we are light. And he says, let your light shine in such a way before men that they see your good works. So they have to see something you're doing. You know, we say, oh, it's not me, it's God, it's not me, it's God. No, it's God in you. And it's God through you. It's okay to be excited about God using you in a significant way to bless other people. And we don't have to get hyper-spiritual when someone says, thank you for that encouraging word, or thank you for that beautiful prophetic or whatever. Oh, it was God. It wasn't me. It wasn't God. They know that. Okay. And we don't have to say, oh, it was God. It wasn't me. Just say, thank you for that. I appreciate that encouragement. And then say, man, God, thank you. That was awesome. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. So let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father. How do we do this? And what do we do with this? We've all heard, every single one of us probably has heard, you're the light of the world. And let your light shine before men in such a way 
as we just read. But what do we do with this? How do we do this? 2017, our theme has been loving well in 2017. Loving well in 2017. And I think that has everything to do with letting your light shine before men in such a way. And I believe in 2018, it's going to be loving practically and supernaturally in 2018. Loving practically and supernaturally. Loving practically and supernaturally in 2018. What does it mean to love people? What am I talking about? Serving them, making time for them, offering a listening ear. When you discover needs, invite the Father to meet those needs supernaturally. Just listening to people. You know, I shared this before, but one time a lady came into my office, and she shared, and she used to come to church here many years ago, so I've known this lady and her family for many, many years, and she came in, rough life, rough everything, and she came, and she just sat down, and she started talking and sharing all the stuff, and I was starting to get anxious, because I'm like, oh, Jesus, what do I tell her? And he kept saying, just listen, just listen. She probably talked for 45 minutes, and then she said, well, thank you. Thank you for listening. And she got up and left. I haven't seen her since. That was about two years ago. She didn't need to be fixed. She just needed a listening ear. Husbands, the best thing we can do sometimes for our wives is listen, not try to fix them. (laughs) That was a a lady's version of amen. (laughs) But sometimes with just people, a way to love them significantly is just to listen. Giving them time. You know when, you know, people at Walmart, like the people in the checkout or, or men or women in the uh, drive-thru, particularly drive-thru. I love the Target drive-thru people because they are invisible. They are insignificant. The one who collects your money, you know, at McDonald's, they collect your money. You don't care about them because they want something from you. You care about the person who's about to give you that bag of food. So we notice them, right? We speak much blessing on them, but not the person who takes our money. But those people who are invisible, we don't even see them really as people. But when you stop for a moment while they're checking your groceries or, or, you know, doing what they're doing, and you just notice them, say, Father, is there something you'd like me to say? And it doesn't have to necessarily be, oh, I heard from God and I'm going to deliver this. But it's just noticing, paying attention to them, and being kind. That alone can rock somebody's world. We don't necessarily have to have a prophetic word or word of knowledge. But just saying, you know what? I see you. I see you as a person. I value you as a person. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Those of you who have been here for a while have heard me share many times about how God has invited us into the world of law enforcement. It has been about, on the ground, been about 15 months. It started last September, 2016. But he's invited me into that arena of law enforcement, and I realize that it's not just me, but he's invited us. And many of you have been taking that journey with me, behind the scenes. But it's something we've been doing together, and and it's been amazing what has happened and one thing I want to encourage you with, as I, as I continue forward and begin to share, I want your heart posture to be, Father, what are you saying to me through this? 
Because what I'm about to share is not about what I'm doing, what God's doing through me, but it's about look what he's doing and look what he wants to do through all of us. So don't have the posture, well, that's good for you. That's nice for you. I can't do that. I can't do that. Then you're going to miss everything that I believe the Father is trying to communicate to your hearts. But take the posture, Father, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? What is your invitation to me? Amen? Can we do that moving forward? I had no idea of what his intentions were other than just giving us another people, group of people to love. But his words were to me, when I got invited, I was invited, asked to, the Lord gave me instruction to connect with law enforcement. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know how. I thought it was just for the sake of praying for them. But he had other, other intentions. And so I have been invited to become a law enforcement chaplain, chaplain of the police department. So I'm chaplain of Stillwater PD. I'm chaplain of OSU PD, and I'm chaplain of the sheriff department. Now, I've, I've invited a brother, another pastor in the town, and, and assigned him to the OSU PD, so he has that whole area. And, I'm not, and we're not the only chaplains. There are other chaplains, some, more, or some as involved in some, but many not. But he invited us into this arena to be law enforcement chaplains. And so what we started doing is just praying over them. Because when, when, when I got there and a the lady said, if you want to help us, would you consider being a chaplain? I didn't even know what a chaplain was. But after praying, counseling with my wife, elders, yes, I would be happy to do that. And so that's, that started back in September of last year. And since then, my whole world has been changed. Uh, my paradigm, things have opened. I'm in a whole area of life that I've never experienced before. That you can imagine being around law enforcement, especially in, in when I earned my stripe, so to speak. Because at first I was just going, being a nice guy, developing relationship. Them getting to know me, we're kind of checking each other out. But then the night came when I got the phone call and a young lady was killed. And I was asked if I would, an uh, uh, officer who had to go to the scene to tell the parents, he asked if I would attend with him. And I said, yes, I'll go. So I went out there. Walked it at a whole serious situation. Imagine someone knocking on your door and telling you that you will never see your daughter again or your husband again or your whoever again. That's what I do with these officers. And I remember after I did that the first time, loving people by finding out what their needs are, meeting those needs. How can I serve you? Will you be a chaplain? Yes. Will you do death notifications? Death what? Are you serious? So I started, I started doing those with them. When after the first one, I could tell their posture towards me changed, and it was like, you are one of us. You're serious about this, aren't you? You're not just here to drink our coffee, because I don't drink coffee anyway, but you're not here just to be a nice person, but you really do care about us. When I started doing that, everything changed. They saw that I was there to serve them. When we love people, I believe it's important not to come with our agenda. But to say, Father, how can I just love them, period? And see, as pastors and even Christians, a lot of times our agenda is when we're loving people, our agenda, our angle is, how can I get them in the church? Especially as a pastor, it's like, hmm, maybe I, if I talk to this guy, I'm nice to him, he sees that I care for him, maybe he'll end up in church on Sunday morning. And we make that our goal. And years ago, that used to be, I thought that was the win. I thought, get him in church, boom, celebrate the victory. Now I realize victory is when you simply love people. 
with no agenda. Because the Lord told me a year and a half ago, he says, those who love well will have the greatest influence. Those who love well, when you love people well, they will invite you into their lives to influence them. And you'll be surprised at who you're sitting in front of, and they're asking for your input, your advice. I'm like, you're asking me? I mean, look what Joseph happened to Joseph. The king, the most powerful man on the planet, Pharaoh, was listening to Joseph's counsel and said, whatever he says, do it. Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, these powerful men, these powerful kings were listening to these, these godly men, these, some of them slaves. And yet they, they, had, they were giving their ear to these men. When you love people, you may be surprised at who you have an open door to influence. And it's not to influence and manipulate them to do what you want, but it's to influence and encourage them for Jesus, for life, for encouraging them, encouragement. Does that make sense? So we started being a chaplain, doing these things, and praying for them. And I remember uh, there's a, a num- many of you in here were part of the declaration team, and we'd come on Wednesday mornings and we'd pray for them, make declarations over law enforcement, over the community concerning, concerning crime and everything. And one of our declarations was, Father, we just declare that they will experience your goodness. Your goodness. They're going to experience the goodness of God. Because the Bible says that he who experiences the goodness of God, you know, it, the goodness of God leads man to repentance. So it's like if they experience God's goodness, then they'll want to run to Jesus. They'll want a relationship with him. That was the premise. So we were praying that. Well, then I started thinking, how will we know or how will they know that they're experiencing God's goodness? Because as I talk with them, I'd hear things like, man, I was so lucky. And they would share near-death experiences or how they, they should have been dead, they should have been killed, and somehow they were miraculously saved or spared. And they would, and I would hear things like, had a lucky day, or, you know, they would, uh, what do you call it? Um, not coincidence necessarily, even though that word was used too, but just fate or something. In other words, God wasn't getting the credit. So I'm thinking, okay, if they're going to experience the goodness of God, we want God to get the credit. We don't want this just to be a random, oh, that's nice. So I asked the Father, how can they know that it's you that they're experiencing? And what I believe he told me was, find out what their needs are and then invite me to meet those needs supernaturally. Like, that's a pretty smart answer. Find out what their needs are. Needs that, now, if, if they're hungry, we can meet that need, right? We can give them some food. If they're cold, we can put clothing on them. We can do the practical things, but there's certain things that we can't do. And that's what the Father says. Find out those things and invite me to meet those needs supernaturally. Then they'll know that it was God. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works, but they glorify who? The Father. So we started finding out what their needs were. One of them was, and there's many, but a couple of them, marriage being challenged. Marriages amongst law enforcement, just like preachers, is very tough, very rough. The statistics are horrendous. So the marriages are are challenged as well as sleep. Many of them are sleep deprived. As you can imagine, the stress, the things they go through, the shift work that they work, all kinds of weird hours and everything. So their sleep is all jacked up. So we found out about those two things. 
And so one, we've been invited, we've offered a marriage class, and it became CLEAT certified, which means they can take this course and get all the hours, and so it's, gonna, it's something that they want to take now. So we've offered that, and we'll continue to offer that. That's been good. And the other thing is, is, okay, how do we deal with the sleep? Well, that's something that they can take drugs, or they can whatever, do the CPAP machines and all that kind of thing. Or we can invite the Father to do something. And so we made up what we called is a sleep enhancement program. We just made it up, pulled it out of the air. I know what we'll do. We'll call it the sleep enhancement because it sounds pretty official, right? I said, would you like to participate in our sleep enhancement program? Why, absolutely. So we invited the officers. I got permission from the big man, and he sent an email out to the whole department inviting people to would you participate in our sleep enhancement program? They thought I was inviting them to a sleep study. It's like, no, not a sleep study. That's what went out, sleep study. And so I was wondering why people were kind of looking at me funny saying, so you're doing a sleep study? I'm like, no, I'm not doing a sleep study. So anyway, we started, they started participating. We've had, over the time, we've had eight people that we prayed for. Very basic, very simple. Every single one of those eight people have experienced a significant wonderful improvement in their sleep. Every single one of them, 100%. Not seven out of eight, not half of them. Every single one of them have experienced dramatic improvement in their sleep. And you know how they know it's God? Because all they did, we didn't, when all they had to do, if they wanted to participate, they text me and said, I would like to participate in your program. And you know what they had to do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Just do what they were doing already. I didn't encourage them to read some scriptures. I didn't encourage them to turn off the TV an hour earlier. I didn't encourage them to stand on their head and do whatever. Because, see, we think, okay, well, there's probably some practical things that they're doing that they need to stop doing to make their sleep better, right? I mean, you think. There's probably some practical things. There's probably some stress. There's probably, you know, if you're drinking a a quart of, of coffee or something right before you go to bed, you know, that might do something to sleep. So you would think we'd want to tell them practical things. And I even had a couple of Christian brothers ask me that. Oh, did you tell them some practical things they could do? And I thought of that, but I felt like the father said no. So we didn't tell them to do anything different, nothing different. All we did was pray over them, dec- make declarations over them, and every single one of them had significant improvement in their sleep. One guy, and I've shared this before, one guy, his sleep patterns were so messed up that he would go three days without sleeping because he couldn't sleep three days without sleeping and then he would crash for several hours and then he'd start over again he tried sleeping pills and he thought they worked until his wife said no they did not work you were up all night and so what it caused him to do was sleepwalk so he thought he was asleep but he was actually eating meals and doing all kinds of things freaking his wife out and so his patterns were all jacked up we just prayed over him and they changed. He went from getting, when he would sleep, maybe one hour a night. Now he's sleeping four plus hours, and he doesn't do the three-day binges anymore. And the only thing we did was pray over him. And every single one of them. And so, and it's interesting because out of that, out of the, uh, that practical need being met, I never ta- spoke anything about God to them. Never. Now they know I'm a pastor. And so they assumed that, you know, they, they knew all that, but I didn't say anything about God or Jesus to them. Unless they asked me, of course, if they asked me to pray or whatever. 
And then I remember one of the guys, what we do is we, we pray and we, each week I would check in with them and say, how is your sleep? Has it improved yet? And they'd say either yes or no. And I remember every one of them said no except one. There was four or five we had at one time. They all said no except one. Said, yeah, it's getting a little better. Everybody was like, nope, nope, no difference. I said, hang in there. It'll change. It'll change. And I remember about three weeks later, oh, my goodness, yes, thank you so much. I remember one guy, he, uh, his sleep had improved. He was telling me how he was waking up only once a night instead of five times a night and all this kind of stuff. And he said, P.S., would you please pray for me? for my relationship with God. I find that I've been going through the motions and I don't want to do that anymore. His sleep improved and all of a sudden he wanted a relationship with Jesus. Didn't say anything about God to him, but he experienced the goodness of the Father and all of a sudden he wants to, know, he wants to move forward towards him. One guy invited me. He, his sleep improved. And then he said, hey, would you be interested in speaking to our new recruits? I mean, our new trainees. And so I, what does that mean? So he invited me. Um, I, so I went in to talk to him. And basically they trained when the new guys come in who are going to be police officers, they swear them in, and they have an orientation, a family orientation, where they invite the whole family and whoever they want to bring, moms, wives, children, grandparents, whoever, to come in and learn about what their son or daughter is about to go through as far as being a police officer. Because there's a lot of fear. I mean, imagine moms, your son's about to become a police officer. It's kind of scary because of what they're willing to put themselves in, into, the service they're about to perform. So I got invited to this orientation. They got sworn in, took them on a tour, and then I got to speak to them for about 15 minutes. And you know what the first thing that the Holy Spirit had me say to these young men? There are four men, and I said, I want to be the first black man to tell you that I appreciate the service you're about to start offering this community. I had their attention. Now some of you might think, why'd you have to bring race into it? Race is already in it. When it comes to police, law enforcement, and African Americans, it's already an issue. You know what's interesting? And I feel like the Lord tricked me because I wasn't thinking about this at the time. But it's like he invited a black man to become chaplain of law enforcement. I didn't realize at the time the significance of that. But now being in it, I see a lot of the significance of it. I believe when I said that to those young men, I want to be the first black man to tell you I appreciate the service that you're about to offer to our community and they looked at me. It kind of hit them, and it was intentional. But I believe it was also a prophetic declaration of reconciliation between law enforcement and the African-American community. You know, we can pray for change, we can gripe for change, or we can do something about it. And we need to be praying, but we also need to be doing something about it. You know, a lot of times how Jesus does things is he says, guys, pray. I want you to pray for this. Pray that the Lord of the harvest, he says, you know, the harvest is ripe. I mean, people are ready to accept my kingdom. They're out there waiting. But the laborers are few. Please pray that God will thrust out more laborers into the harvest. 
He told them to pray. You guys remember that? Matthew chapter 10 or 9, around there somewhere. Read it this morning, but I already forgot. He said, pray, guys, and then guess what he did? He said, okay, tag, you're it. It says he sent them out two by two into, to guess what? To be workers in the harvest. So Jesus' model is we pray and we do. Too many times as the church, we're doing a lot of praying, but we're doing a whole lot of not doing. And we're wondering why things aren't changing. He's inviting us to do both. remember a couple of weeks ago, there was a young man who, law enforcement, who got a hold of my number, called me, we met, he's having challenges in his marriage, and so he's telling me all about that, and then he said something that caught my attention, he said his daughter has been having night terrors, she has night terrors every night, she's seven years old, every night, she has night terrors, where she nightmares, she wakes up screaming, and, and I said, how long has it been going on? Thinking like, how young was she when she said, Daddy, I can't sleep because, and he thought, and he thought, and he thought, he said, it's been her whole life. He can't remember a time when she wasn't having night terrors. Thinking, hmm. So I got this idea. So basically, she's having a hard time sleeping. Would you agree? We've seen God do wonderful things in the area of sleep. I think he cares about a little girl having night terrors. And obviously, her parents care about what she's going through. And so I said, can, I, can we do something? Can I come over to your house sometime? We set up and I come over to your house and I'd love to pray for your little girl. He said, absolutely. I said, okay, I'll call you. We'll text and we'll work that out. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, son, you're missing it. <laughs> Don't you remember what I've been teaching you? I was like, I forgot. See, I, I, I reverted back to the old style. The preacher man's got to do it all. The preacher man's got to do it all. Call the anointed one, and I will come to your house and fix your problems. Hey, it ain't that funny. Did you guys hear what I'm saying? The pastor will come and fix your problems. Just make sure you add a little extra to the offering when I'm done. So that's what, that was uh, defaulted. Can I come and pray for your daughter? Absolutely. Lord said, no, son, that's not what I've been showing you. I said, oh, yeah, I forgot. So I texted him and said, hey, instead of me coming over, can I give you some instruction? He said, sure. So he called, talked to him on the phone. I said, what I want you to do is put your girl in your arms. I want you to bless your daughter. Just bless her. And I gave him a simple, simple little five-year-old can say this. I want you to say this over your little girl. That's been over two weeks. In the last two weeks, she's had zero night terrors. And guess... But here's what I get excited about. Guess who didn't pray for this little girl? The preacher man didn't. But a man who's in a backslidden, he's a believer, but he's in a backslidden state, not going to church for a while. I know I should be going to church. I know, I know, but hasn't been going. And did God say, you know, son, if you start going to church, I'd take away these night terrors. 
Is that how it worked out? The goodness of God. The goodness of God leads man to repentance. When God shows up through us, even in the midst of darkness or where people are having a lot of problems, a lot of chaos, and they're not living right, they're not doing right, but God loves on them anyway, that's a whole different message. It's not that he's condoning their sin. That's not it. It's not, oh, what you're doing is okay. When they brought that woman before Jesus, they said she was caught in the midst of adultery. Our law says we get to stone her. What do you say? Of course, it was a trap. And then, of course, Jesus did his thing, said his thing, and they all left, threw the rocks down and left. And then he says, where are your condemners? Or then they left, and she goes, no. And then he, he said, well, neither do I condemn you. Go and continue what you were doing. Is that what he said? He said, neither do I. Now go and sin no more. In other words, okay, you're forgiven. Now go, but turn away from sin. And I'm sure that lady didn't, I'm sure she did. She's probably one of the followers of Jesus. But God loves to show up, show out, show off through you. And just smack the dickens. Okay, let me back that up. Love on people in a wonderful way. I don't know where, anyway, never mind. But he's so passionate about people. And guess what? You're a people. He's so passionate about you. And I've been feeling this excitement for, um, you know, as I've been, Todd and I've been talking everything, and it's almost like I've been feeling guilty that uh, am I allowed to have this much fun? Is this okay? Is this illegal? Because, you know, thinking, you know, being a Christian, being a serious Christian, it's got to be all serious. Remember what I learned growing up in church? It's got to be all serious. That's not the picture I get of Jesus. I see him a man full of joy. Now, he was acquainted with sorrow, especially when he took sin, our sin upon himself. But before that happened, I don't think he was a man of sorrow. I think he was a man of joy and peace. Because he said, my peace I give you. Bam, take some of that peace. And he just blast people with peace. We get to do that. We get to change the atmosphere in arenas. Seriously, you know, this morning pre-prayer, different ladies were sharing testimonies of, of just them showing up in a, in, and just changing the atmosphere. People going from grumpy to from grumpy to glorious. Is that a good way? From grumpy to glory. People just, we can make a difference. He's called us to make a difference. And you know who, and I think the reason why I'm so excited, because I'm getting, a, I'm getting a taste of what God has been excited about for a long time. Do you realize that you are, would you point to yourself for a second? Just point to yourself. Okay, the person you're pointing to, is God's gift to this community. You are God's gift. God's excited about you. He's excited about you, and he's excited about what you and him get to do together to transform people's lives. I want to tell you something else. Point to yourself again. You are plan A. You're not God's backup plan. You're his original plan. Now, I know some of you, you already went there. Well, if you know what I've done, if you know the choices I've made, hmm, 
I don't think God knows all that. So let's, shh. Let's not mess this all up. He might change his mind when he knows you. But he's so passionate, so excited, and he's saying, sons and daughters, would you come with me? We're going to have a great time. We're going to have a great time. Because not only does, and see, it's not that he's wanting to use you to bless other people. He's wanting to heal you and encourage you and build you up and bless you and strengthen you and fill you with hope. And then you're like, oh, my goodness, what just happened to me? And he's like, hey, you want to go tell other people about what just happened to you? You want to go share with other people? You're like, heck, yeah, I want to go. In other words, when he does in and through you what you allow him to, you can't help but share with other people. The mess that you and I have found ourselves in because of the stupid choices we've made, I mean flat out boneheaded dumb choices we've made. Now we can stay in that position and condition and that won't be good. But when we turn and say, Father, I messed up. I did some stupid things. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Absolutely. Before you get all the words out of your mouth, he forgives you. Commit, submit your life to him. And it's going to be amazing. Not only what he will do in you, but he has the power to take that mess that you made and somehow make it into a masterpiece. It's like, I don't get that part. Now, and don't misunderstand me. It's not that he, well, God had you do that sin so later he could use it. He didn't do that. But when you love God, he can cause all things to work together for good for those who love him. So regardless of your past, regardless of the choices, the bad choices you've made, regardless of what happened to you, we just run to Jesus and love Jesus and just get close to him. That's his favorite position for you is to be right next to him. And then we let him change us and let him help us and let him free us and deliver us. And then watch what he wants to do through you. But you don't have to wait till you're all fixed up, shiny and pretty to allow him to work through you. You say, yes. Yes, Jesus. What I'm excited about is revival and transformation. Revival and transformation. I used to be excited about revival. But now my thought process has changed. I'm excited about revival and transformation. I believe when you have revival, it will lead to transformation. But you have to have revival to have transformation. Transformation is when a community is turned upside down. I mean, it's totally revolutionized. Where the, the economy all of a sudden is blessed supernaturally. I was telling somebody about this the other day. I said, I believe there's going to come a time in this community because it's so transformed that people working at McDonald's are going to be making $15, $20 an hour. You hear what I said? Transformation. After revival. Revival is when God's people get revived, encouraged, turn back to Jesus. 
back to their first love. And because it's not for so long it's been, I know as a good Christian I should be witnessing to my friends. I know I should be going to church. I know I should. I know I So we do everything out of we know we should. But when he truly revives us, we're not going to be able to stop from running to his presence, from wanting to tell people about what he's doing in our lives. And here's the secret. I don't know if it's a secret, but here's something that I've realized, and this is what I've been getting excited about. This whole, this whole law enforcement thing, in one, shape, in one sense, has been a, a foreshadowing or a picture of what God's doing and wants to do, not only in every single one of us, but in all his sons and daughters in this community. And it's like the law enforcement's been an example of Christians going in and bringing his kingdom into that environment and the environment beginning to change. But where you are planted, where you are planted, where you are in this season of life, if you're a student, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're a business owner, if you work at Walmart or you work at Conoco or you work at OSU or wherever you work, your assignment is to see that place transform. And he wants to use you. Now, I know that can sound overwhelming and, and huge, but don't, don't let that scare you. But the point is, is, remember, you're his plan A. And here's my last thought I want to share, maybe. Yeah, I'm going to stop soon. <laughs> but for so long, we as the church, Big C, all over, somehow we've made people to think that, and you guys would all agree if I said, how many of you believe that I'm full-time ministry? You guys are, yeah, you're the preacher. I do this. This is the only job I have. I, I'm full-time ministry. How many of you guys are full-time ministry? And maybe a couple of you might raise your hands. Those of you who've been here around long enough would raise your hand because you know what, where I'm going. But the reality is, is if you're born again, you are in full-time ministry. No, let me say this. You are a full-time minister. Now, whether you've stepped into that ministry or not is a choice. But every single one of us who have said yes to Jesus, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are full-time ministers. And going into full-time ministry doesn't mean quitting your job and coming and working at the church or quitting your job and going to the mission field. Now, that can be part of it, but we think that's what going into full-time ministry means. In reality, full-time ministry is saying yes to Jesus and then going to work at Walmart if that's where you work. This is my ministry. Going to Oklahoma State campus, this is my ministry. These are the people that God has given me to love, serve, bless, and minister to. Okay, Jesus, what are we doing today? And imagine when just us in here, imagine when we live every day, Monday through Friday, and we show up and we say, God, what do you want to do today? And we allow his kingdom to come through us into that work environment, into that school environment. Imagine what will happen and what's going to happen to this community. See the difference? Where we come to church on Sunday, because Sunday is the important day. It's where we come and worship God and we come and listen to the preacher man. And then we go out Monday through Friday and we survive. We don't let the world, we fight to keep the world from contaminating us because I'm a good Christian. And so we, at best, we're surviving. And it's like, thank God, it's Friday. Yes. 
But there's going to come a point when we're saying, thank you, God, that it's Monday. Because now I get to go and do some amazing things with you. I believe what 2018 is going to be about. We talked about loving well, 2017. We're about to move into a practical, okay, how do I do this? I'm retired, or I work at this place. How am I a full-time minister? Well, we're going to ask the Father. He's going to show us. And I believe when you get a hold of what he has for you, you're going to be extremely excited. Then you're going to wonder, is this okay to be happy about this? Am I supposed to be excited about it? I mean, is it okay? I can't explain the fire that has been rejuvenated in me. I'm going to show this last thing. This is really the last thing, okay? Sorry that I said that before. But the last thing is, Now, I think I'll show that another time because that's a whole new train of thought. I'm not going to go there. Would you stand up with me? But here's what I'd like to invite you to do. In the bulletin, it talks about Wednesdays, um, prayer, December, and January. What we'd like to do is use that day to target a, as a, a specified day. We're fasting breakfast and lunch, and then you end the fast at dinner. So when you're home after work or with your family, you have dinner. One, one day a week, and the purpose is to target, we together as a family are praying and declaring similar things, or the same thing. For the couple of points of purposes, one, there's a momentum that the Lord, I believe, is building that we're allowing Him to build in this place and in our lives. And what my experience has been is every time it gets to uh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, that whole momentum just dies because I get so sucked into all the holiday stuff. And it's like, well, we'll put all this stuff on hold and we'll get back to that in January. I don't want to do that. You know, it's kind of we get religious and we separate. Okay, we're going to put kingdom on hold and we're going to do family stuff and have a good time, buy presents. And then after that, then we'll get back to the kingdom stuff. Why can't we do both? And plus, one thing we're going to be praying for is for God to reveal to you, Lord, what is my assignment? In my retired state, I retired, I worked at that job for 20, 50, 30 years, and now I'm retired. It's not that you're done. He's just freed you from that position, that assignment, and brought you into a new, a new assignment. And you want to find out what that is. And so we're going to be praying for that. So after we pray, what I'm going to ask you to do is to text me if you're saying yes to Wednesday. Because what I want to do is as we're, each week I'm going to send you some things that we're going to be praying for and declaring together. Does that make sense? So it's not like I want to be able to keep an eye on you, make sure you're praying and fasting, and everything to do with that. And we're going to have Wednesday, the church will be open from 12 to 1 if you want to come and pray with us on Wednesdays. If you can't, you can pray at work. Use your lunchtime as, as your you know, prayer time or whatever. But if you want to come, you can. You don't have to. And I'll explain more of that later. But it starts this Wednesday. And if you want to participate in that, please send me a text and say, count me in, and that way I will send you the text each week of the prayer targets. Okay? All right, let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you're so good, you're so amazing, and you like us, and you desire to partner with us to see Jesus glorified and to see lives changed. And, Lord, we say yes. I say yes to you, your assignment, 
I thank you that you're going to show me that. If you haven't already, you're going to show me that. And I thank you for the grace that came.